You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Steve McCoy from 360 Church in Sarasota, Florida. We hope this message inspires you to press beyond ordinary. So we continue this conversation that we just started last week. And it really, the focus of this conversation is how to prepare ourselves for the coming storm that we can already sense happening. What do I mean by that? The Bible is very clear that in end times, things are going to get more intense. And we are going to, the, 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 pop, the massive population is going to experience a time the Bible will refer to as the tribulation. And at the, at the, uh, the height of that tribulation, Christ will come back a second time to the earth with his army and to reign a thousand years here on the planet. I said last week, if that's you know overwhelming to you, we, there's a lot of overwhelming things in the Bible. But it, so the, the amazing thing about the Bible that takes it out of fable into fact is that we see so many layers of things coming true, even as we're sitting here this morning. So as I was thinking about this this week, I was reminded that one week, about one week from the day, hurricane season starts in Florida. Now, we recognize that we've had a lot of uh, people moving, you know, from places in the nation to, to uh, Florida recently for reasons that, well, I won't get into this morning, but they're moving. <laughs> Uh, so let's say that's you. Maybe you're online, maybe you're outside, you're in the room, and this is your first hurricane season in Florida. So let me just take a moment and give you a little education. How to get prepared. How then should we live uh, in a hurricane season? Well, you want to make sure you got plenty of water. You want to have canned goods. You want to, you know, if you're so inclined, if you really want to be prepped, you want to get shutters. We have shutters, you know, aluminum shutters that we put in, or maybe they're not aluminum. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> I got a good deal on them. All right. So, uh, so we, <laughs> so we got these shutters in place, you know, and uh, if you're so inclined, you might want to get a generator and stock up on a little gas. Don't hoard it, but get a little gasoline, you know, those kinds of things. So you're prepping for what you know is going to happen. Okay. But we don't know it's going to happen in Sarasota. We hope it doesn't happen. But there's not a doubt in anyone's mind that as we approach June 1st, there's going to be hurricanes somewhere. And as a hurricane is formed in the sea, out in the ocean, there's sometimes you don't know exactly when it's going to hit, right? And what I find is super helpful are those spaghetti models, you know? It's like, here's where it's going. Like, awesome. Is that like the universe? Or because I live in the universe, I know it's going to hit somewhere, right? But not as it gets closer and closer and closer, it gets more defined. Not only the location, but also the timing of it, right? You remember Irma? Right? You never know where it's going to hit. This is like the second coming of Christ. We're planting today in Mark chapter 13. You see, God is so compassionate that he doesn't sneak up on people. He allows us to know what's coming to give us the season, the hurricane season, that there are enough signs. We're not going to read all of Mark 13 today, but we're going to plant there. And I invite you later on to read through it. And Jesus is describing to his disciples, here are some of the things to, to watch for. 
When you're reading about the end times in the Bible, you have to be kind of careful because it kind of weaves in and out. Sometimes you think, am I reading about the extraction of the church called the rapture? Am I reading about the second coming? Am I reading about the tribulation? So you have to kind of navigate, and I always say get a good commentary. will help you navigate that if necessary. But in Mark chapter 13, Jesus is talking about what's going to happen in the tribulation for those that are living through the tribulation so that they can begin to see here comes the second coming of Christ. For us, I think the same principles apply. Jesus gives not only some indicators of what's going to happen, but he also gives a command, then how should we live right now? You see, for me, I'll share this probably frequently through this collection. I'm as interested in the facts of the end times as anybody else. But I don't want to I don't want that to be my primary focus so that I become an expert on the happenings that are coming as opposed to how do I live then in light of Christ's coming? How do I live right now? Because I think that is the thing that matters to God. We begin then in Mark chapter 13 today and we start in verse 32. Jesus said, no one knows about the day or the hour, not the season, but the exact moment, the day or that. Not even the angels in heaven, not for the Son, but only the Father. Jesus is speaking from a, a the, his human point of view at this point. The Father knows. Then he gives us the command on which we will focus today. Because of this, because of the coming of Christ a second time, because we know that Christ will will we'll come and, and uh, take his church out. Well, he will come again at the second, at second coming at the height of the, uh, the, the battle of Armageddon and the, and, the, uh, and the tribulation. Because of this, because we know there is a defined end, whether you're a Christ follower is going to be raptured out or you're not a Christ follower and you're going to go through the tribulation with the opportunity, it will be more difficult During the tribulation, people will have the opportunity to turn their lives towards Christ. But it will be at a high, high cost, okay? No one knows the day or the hour. Verse 33, for that reason, be on guard. Be alert. This is our focus today. You do not know when the time will come. So today, I want to tap into your imagination, okay? So sitting in the room today, if you're at home, you can imagine we're sitting in a room, room full of people. Let's say this is our military platoon, okay? Here we come toward evening, and we're on mission. What are we going to need? We're going to need someone who will stand guard, right? This is what Jesus is saying. Be on guard. Every mission, every military operation, they always have specific people who are on guard. They are on mission. They are to be alert. Every soldier is alert, but particularly those on guard. It's coming into the evening. We're moving into the dark, the night, we're the day of the Lord. We looked at it last week. The day is coming, but right now we're on night mission, okay? And so we're on night mission. I want you to imagine that's that soldier who's standing on guard. This is what Jesus has said. Here's the challenge. I'm going to give you some principles. If you want to write them down, that's awesome. If you don't, again, get out. But um, no, just kidding. Here are some principles I believe 
when Jesus says on guard that we can take and we can hold on to from a practical point of view. Okay. How do we live on guard? Here's the first thing. We watch a soldier who's standing there at night on guard. We watch for what we cannot see. You see, Jesus is talking about things that are going to happen. We don't see them right now. But beyond that, I want to say to you that um, uh, there are many angles to being on guard, watching, etc. But quite honest, but quite often in the scripture, watching is the equivalent to prayer. Okay? Watching is the equivalent to prayer. So here's the point I want to make. Now, this is going to be, I believe this is a challenging message, by the way. I kind of like to let you know up front. I think Jesus is challenging us. There's exclamation points when Jesus is speaking. Be on guard, exclamation point. Be alert, exclamation point. Because this is serious business. This is not playing church. This is not Sunday school. This is a very like, hey, this is, a, this is man, be, be, be up for it, right? Be vigilant. And so when we look at, being watchful in prayer, let me make this statement to you, all right? We will never understand the supernatural world if we're only saturated in the natural world, okay? We live in a, in a supernatural world. We get fooled by the things that we can see and feel and hear because that's natural stuff. But we will never understand and have the senses to be alert in the supernatural world unless we are on our knees in prayer. We can't. So when you imagine you're a soldier, you're standing out there, you're on guard. Do you know you hear more things at night? You literally do. That's why you can hear that. You can hear like I live somewhat close to the I-75. I can hear the traffic on I-75 at night. How come I can't hear that during the day? Because there's so much other noise happening, traffic, etc. But at night, have you ever noticed that you, you know, you hear things? Believe it or not, I was uh, uh, in, in one of my many college jobs. I was a security guard. That's funny, isn't it? I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and laugh. So I felt like Barney Fife, but the only difference was I didn't even get one bullet or anything, man. Not even like a pocket knife. I was, and it was in downtown Richmond, Virginia, and it was just in a kind of a, a you know a tough part of the city, and and I had to close up shop. And uh, I had to wait till everybody's going. And it was my job to shut down the lights and lock everything up. And then I had a bicycle. I didn't drive. I had a bicycle. That was my getaway vehicle. <laughs> and I, you know, all of a sudden you're more acute, you know, like, what's that? You know, it's a cricket. Okay. All right. <laughs> you know, because you're like, wow, that's a... The more we spend time on our knees, the more we get to hear and see things in the supernatural level. The challenge for us is that we often don't spend time enough on our knees. In our small circle training around the world, I thought it was an American phenomenon, but it's a global phenomenon. We've done much research, other people like, you know, Pew Research, Barna Research, done much research. The average number of minutes that an evangelical Christian prays per day is two. Now, before we throw any rocks, the average number of minutes for an evangelical pastor to pray, five minutes. But at least we can say we're praying twice as much as you guys. <laughs> My point is that 
with just that much view, just that much time, that little amount of time, we don't stand a chance to be tuned in. Uh, let me remind you, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, our struggle is not against the things that we see, flesh and blood, but they are against the rulers, the authorities, against the powers of this, what? Night world, dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Dorothy, we're not in Kansas anymore. This is, you know, I know come to church and everything, it looks nice, we're all nice, we're all dressed up, we're all photoshopped, I get all that. That's good, there's no problem with that. I'm just saying, Jesus is saying, we ain't playing. This is serious, serious, as you'll see. I, I just want to, uh, I, I want to also remind us in First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, your adversary, the devil, he pray, prowls. You see, like a lion, roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. You know, have you ever seen a lion prowl? It's kind of creepy, right? And they're doing it sneaky. Well, see, we're living in a sneaky world. And in order to see that, we must, must, must recognize we're on a battleship here. We're not on a yacht. In fact, I saw this picture this week. It just says it all. How about that one? <laughs> uh, yeah. If you're listening to the audio, it's a yacht with a water slide going into a pack of sharks. So, uh, it, you know, in the in this sense, I, I as a leader and a, as a follower of Christ, it is convicting. It's a reminder from Jesus. Hey, be on watch on your knees, because here's the second principle. Not only do we watch for what we can't see. Here's a second one. When we watch, we watch for others. You know, when we, every time our, our high schooler goes and gets in the car, we always say, be careful, right? Be watchful, be careful. And I mean it for him, but I also mean it for other people. You know, he's not the only one on the road, right? Be careful for other people. And we've told him stories and, you know, to try to scare him into an alertness, you know, like here's what can happen, et cetera, et cetera. But we're saying, hey, be careful for other people. Watch what Jesus says in the very next verse, Mark 13, 34. He said, let me tell you, he's always like breaking it down for you, right? It's like a story. He goes, it's like a man going away. He's speaking of himself. Jesus was here. He's going away. He's coming back. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants, plural, okay? Plural. That's us. Plural. He puts his servants in charge. Why? Each one with his or her assigned task. Ephesians 2.10, we are created in Christ Jesus uh, to do good works, which he's prepared in advance that we should walk in him. Everybody's got an assignment, right? Including Jesus. John chapter 17, he's praying, Father, I've accomplished the assignment you've given, given to me. I've given you glory by doing that. So everybody's got an assignment, okay? So watch this. Each one, all of us, have an assignment, an assigned task. And then he charges how many the one, it's not, it's not complicated, the one at the door to keep watch. So in a, in a night mission, in the military, in a night mission, everybody else is doing something else. They are cleaning their weapon. They're strategizing for the next day. 
Some are sleeping because they got to refresh their bodies. Some people are eating. Every All the platoon is doing something, but somebody's got to watch the door. Not everybody's watching the door, right? When you think about the soldiers standing out there, it's not the whole platoon standing out there. It's one or two maybe, right? And they're in the watchtower and they're watching. That is their charge. Why? So other people can do what they've been assigned to do. So when we are praying, it's called intercessory prayer. We are praying for others so that they can accomplish the thing that God has assigned them to do. I know without a shadow of a doubt that there's a handful of people in here in in, in our church family that are deeply on their knees for me as a pastor. And I don't take it lightly. 5 p.m. every other Sunday, People are on their knees for our nation, for our church. They're intercessing for others, including me. I know people that are on their knees for me every single morning, and I don't take it lightly because, listen, we think we can do it on our own, but we can't. Do you remember in the Old Testament when there was a battle? God's people were on the battlefield, but Moses was standing at the door. He was keeping watch, you remember? And he prayed and he lifted his hands. Remember they got tired and Aaron and her like, whoa. And every time his, his arms came down, every time they came down, the battle was being lost. We can't take for granted those who pray. Let me ask you, who are you standing at the door for? It's not all about us. Hey, be alert. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm just watching myself. We are called to be on our knees for our children, for our neighbors, for our brothers and sisters in Christ. I believe strongly, I really believe strongly, that as fragile at times as our nation seems to be right now, without praying warriors, our nation would be completely unraveled. We don't have any idea right now how God is holding things together because of people on their knees. It's it's so incredibly powerful. You remember Jesus when he was going into the Garden of Gethsemane? How many people did he call to pray with him? Do you remember? No? Three. Yeah, three. Peter, James, and John. Those were his closest buddies. He didn't, you know, uh, um, Judas had already skipped out doing his business. But so he had 11. He didn't ask all 11. If you look at the scripture, you only call Peter, uh, James, and John. I almost said Peter, Paul, and Mary. It's a different <laughs> gospel. <laughs> Peter, James, and John. He says, hey, 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 buddies, come here. I need you to stand at the door. When Jesus said the one charged stand at the door, the Greek word is the same word that Jesus said, I've been given authority. Now think about the heaviness of that. Jesus is giving us the authority. I charge you to stand at the door. For those that lead our prayer ministry, it's a charge that God is saying, I give you the authority to stand at the door. Jesus called his buddies and he said, I'm giving you the charge. Watch with me. Amen. Pray with me. Watch with me. Watch. Mark in the next chapter, Mark 14, verse 34. What a vulnerable moment 
for Jesus. It's a vulnerable moment for any man. Okay, men, are, you're going to understand what I'm about to say. When is the last time you ever went to another man and said, my soul is overwhelmed? It's not it's not a common conversation. Maybe it's easy for you, but it's not easy for most men. My my soul. How's it? How's it going, Bob? Awesome. Right. That's our that's a man answer. How's it going? How's the, how's the family? Perfect. How's everything at work? Three OK, perfect. Right. Everything's great. It is difficult for a man to be vulnerable and say, man, I am overloaded right now. In a very vulnerable moment, Jesus says this in the garden. He calls his three closest over and he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. I am at the end of my human capacity. And then he says, stay here with me. Watch for me. The son of God asking someone. To watch the door. I'm pretty moved by that. The son of God. Watch the door for me. I'm charging you. Watch the door. Unfortunately, we kind of know what happens. He returned to his disciples in verse 37. And found them snoozing. <laughs> sleeping. Simon. He said to Peter. Simon. Are you asleep? I didn't call everybody over here, man. You are the Navy SEALs. You are on guard. I called you. Could you not keep watch for one hour? And I got to tell you, as I'm prepping for this morning, this week, that just penetrated me. Steve, you put your name in. Steve, can't you watch the door for an hour? Oh, man. The charges of God sometimes are like a rhino, you know, <laughs> they come right at you. Can't you keep an, can't you keep watch for an hour? Let me just give us a challenge as the 360 family. God has amped us up in disciple making. God has amped us up in the global reach. God has amped us up. Man, what if God re reached us, you know, amped us up in our own personal our own personal prayer life where we got, God, I'm going to take this seriously. I'm only praying two minutes a day, but tomorrow I'm going to pray four. Okay. If an hour is like, whoa, that's, that's a lot right now. Hey, that's cool. God's, God's progressive, you know, and, and it progress. Well, let me rephrase that. God progressively moves us. Right. So I am just going to, God, I'm going to work. I'm going to like put it, put it down. I have an app. I work I, every ounce of water. I drink, I write it down because I have goals, right? I have the, uh, other goals, exercise goals, blah, 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 prayer goals. How about prayer? Why not have prayer goals? There's a wonderful, uh, some wonderful apps out there. You can help you with the prayer goals. But what if God said, Here, come, come on, can't you just watch the door for more hour? Here's the next thing we find in verse 35, Mark chapter 13. Therefore, he says, keep watch. Because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether it's four times evening, midnight, when the rooster crows, or at dawn, if he suddenly comes, just like the disciples, don't let him find you snoozing, sleeping. Now, it's interesting when you when you look at time in the scripture, there, there are usually two ways to do it. There's the Jewish way and there's the Roman way because they were writing in the Roman Empire. Uh, Matthew is more of a Jewish writer. Mark was more of a Jewish and Gentile writer. Luke was a Gentile writer. So it doesn't matter. But Mark is trying, as, as he's saying this, he's getting from Jesus' point of view. He goes, hey, I'm trying to reach everybody here. And he uses the Roman time. All right. Here's the point I want you to see. When he says uh, these words, okay, evening, that's, a, that's from sunset 
till about uh, uh, three hours before midnight, so 9, 9, 9 p.m. To midnight is, it, it ends at midnight, so 9 p.m. To, to, to midnight. And then midnight to the next one, when the rooster crows, midnight to 3, 3 a.m. And then uh, dawn is 3 a.m. to sun, sunrise, around 6 a.m., right? So there are four what they call watches of the night. So he's saying watch on your watch, right? Here is the point. There is not like, okay, guys, here, it's like a guy coming back, you know, owner coming back. I need you to watch until, you know, uh, 10 p.m. and then just call it a night. Just come back, you know, let's start when the sun comes up because that's when. No, he's saying, I want you to watch it every hour because the next principle is a guard can never let up. A guard can never let up. These, this is every watch. This is every chapter of your life. This is every week of your life. This is every day of your life. There's not a day where we're like, okay, well, I'm just not going to watch. I mean, when a guard falls asleep in the military, he or she can be court-martialed. It's as if they've deserted their post. They've deserted their assignment. That's how serious it is. And it's interesting that Jesus says, I want you to look every single watch. And it's difficult. I get it. So yesterday... Uh, my connect group, it's a men's group. We do uh, physical activity and stuff like that. And uh, we uh, last week we played volleyball. I've never played volleyball before. Uh, that was kind of fun. This week we, we meet. We kind of never know what we're going to do. We met up at Title Boxing uh, Club, you know. And they have, you know, like 30 bags in there. And they, they tape your hands up. We got there early in the morning. Tape your hands up, you know, gloves and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you have an instructor. He's, you know, music's pumping. <laughs> All of a sudden, you're kind of feeling like Rocky, you know, and all that. And he's got a little microphone like this one, and he's yelling out stuff. And before they give you a little instruction, you know, jab, cross, jab, cross, right? And then he says, okay, let me add another one. It's going to be a hook and then an uppercut. And so if you were just like, okay, let's do uppercuts, no problem. I get it, you're right? And you're doing this. So let's just do jab, cross, jab, cross, like that. It's great exercise. But then he goes, okay, we're going to do jab, jab, cross, hook, jab, cross, undercut. <laughs> Like, could you run that by me one more time? <laughs> jab, jab, cross, hook, jab, cross, undercut. Okay, so I'm like, hey, jab, cross, and so after a while, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he wanted my business because when he walked by me and I'm doing this, he goes, hey, great job. I'm like, no, no I'm not. <laughs> I learned this on the playground when I was five, you know? <laughs> and the problem is, <laughs> You know, you don't think you're going to get so tired out, right? But after a while, it's like, <laughs> I mean, you're trying to just keep the bag moving. <laughs> and the more we box, and the more, and the whole time, you know what he's saying? Keep your guard up. Because when you're boxing and you jab, this one stays here. And when you cross, this one comes back here. And when you hook, this one stays here. You never as a boxer do that. But the problem is that when those old arms get tired, go ahead and hit me. <laughs> you see? Paul, 2,000 years ago in Romans 13, he says, the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. 
Why? Because our salvation 2,000 years ago is nearer now than when we first believed. He was ready. He was on guard. His head's right up on it. It's imminent, as we would say. The night is nearly over. Remember the day of the Lord last week? The night is nearly over. Listen, we are from now to midnight, from midnight to three, from three to six. We are on night guard. And Paul says, wake up, man. Wake up. This ain't a game. Keep your guard up and alive. The day is almost here. People ask me, when do you think the second coming is? This is how cults begin. I'm going to tell you this morning exactly when this. Here's when the second coming. Are you ready? You writing this down? Now you're taking notes. I'm with you. The second coming is 2,000 years closer than it was when Paul wrote. How's that? Is that good enough for you? <laughs> We're close. And, and, and a lot of you are like, oh, whew, good. I thought I love this church. I don't want to be a cult. I'm glad you didn't say it's September 4th or whatever it is. Here's the final thing I just want to put in your, your toolbox, all right? You have to ignore distractions to be alert. There's a lot of distractions. There's distractions for us towards immorality. And we're going to spend a week on that in our culture. A lot, a lot of distractions. There are distractions of busyness. There's distractions toward apathy. There's a lot of distractions in our world. I'm going to say this. I think sometimes even in the church culture, there's distractions with unnecessary conversations. Let's figure out, you know, what the fabric of Jesus's robe is. I'm like, okay, let's spend our time doing that. We can get off on the theological vortexes that, come on, man. This is, this is, we're in a game, and there's a generation around us that desperately needs to know that there's a Savior. I've been to seminary. We'd sit around navel gaze about the theological things that no one will ever ask. It'd be a great book. Here are some theological answers to the things you're never going to ask. Is that important? Sure it is. I'm cautioning us as believers to make sure the main thing is the main thing. Because when you're on alert... Man, you can get distracted by a lot. Does that make sense? The charge that he says as we end here, Mark chapter 13, verse 37. He says, what I say to you guys, the 11 that were standing there, I say to everyone, watch. Watch. Let me end with two unusual quotes. The first one is from Harvard Medical School. And the second one is from a world-renowned sleep expert. From Harvard Medical School, drowsiness produces a sort of inattentiveness that can bring great harm both to self and to others. Investigators have ruled that drowsiness was a significant factor in the 1979 nuclear accident at Three Mile Island, as well as the 1986 nuclear meltdown at Chernobyl. Investigations of the grounding of the Exxon Valdez oil tanker, as well as the explosion of the space shuttle Challenger, have concluded that drowsiness also played a critical role in these accidents. 
Are you smelling what I'm cooking? You see, these are physical, natural disasters because people that were charged to watch the door got drowsy. Finally, from Dr. Max Herchkowitz, a renowned sleep expert, people can grow accustomed to being drowsy. We're fooling ourselves. We're running on half a battery, and then we think we're okay. And we don't even know what it's like to be alert anymore. Thank you for joining us. And special thanks for those of you who give generously to make this ministry possible. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can also subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information about 360 Church, visit us at the360church.com.